Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And Richard Iyer. <clears throat> nice to be back, and we are up at Bear Lake in a rainstorm. Beautiful Bear Lake, sometimes treacherous Bear Lake. There was a tragic accident up here last week in a big windstorm, and I guess it's like anywhere if you're going to be out, uh, especially with your family. You can't be too cautious on lakes and mountains. Yeah, especially so here, so those forth. storms can come up so fast. We never go more than a half a mile out in the water, even though it's eight miles across and 30 miles long. Because those storms can come up so fast, which it did, and so sad. Hurricane force winds and lost some kids and a dad, and so sad. But anyway, it's still raining. Wow, what a spring we've had out here in Utah. It is yeah, amazing. Extreme and weather all over the country. I'm glad we haven't lived in Texas, although we have two in-law families in Texas where they've had such remarkable flooding. Colorado's just having... You see those pictures, Linda, of the hailstones, golf ball-sized hailstones piled up four feet high? No. Oh, my goodness. And the south is in flooding danger every day? Wow. Some would say it's a sign of the last days. Who knows? But that's not our topic for today. Our topic for today, and we're pretty excited to have the opportunity just to reflect and reminisce a little about our dear, dear, dear friend and mentor, really kind of a, almost a grandfather to our children, a man named L. Tom Perry. Now, if you're a member of the Mormon Church, you know a lot about L. Tom Perry, one of the apostles in our church. If you're not LDS, then we're going to tell you some things today about a great man who was an example to anyone, anywhere, anytime. And he was really our mentor for many years, not only on spiritual things, but on family things. And that's why we thought it would be a good idea today to devote this show to what Elder L. Tom Perry taught us about family. Absolutely. In fact, you have known him longer than I have by a long way. You should probably tell the story about your long association with him. And we've known him ever since... The day we were married, that's a long time. That is a but, long um, time. You've known him even longer. Well, and, um, you know, uh, again, we're, we're not assuming that we know a lot of listeners to this show are not LDS and don't know a lot about the Mormon Church. And so we should just fill you in that this great leader, this great spiritual leader and apostle died a week ago and we just attended his funeral yesterday. He was 92 years old, and what a what a full life he lived. And we want to get into what he taught us about family, but just by way of introduction, Linda, as you suggest, <clears throat> we've known him for a long time, the two of us, ever since we were married. But I go back even further. In fact, my mother was actually a classmate of Elder Perry in Logan, Utah, growing up. And so I knew a little about him from the time I was a boy. But then when I went on my LDS mission to New York City as a 19-year-old, um, there was a, this wonderful man, Tom Perry, working for Lord & Taylor, living in the suburbs of New York City and very involved with the church, very involved with um, missionary work. 
He was actually what's called the stake mission president. And he was also very involved with the World's Fair. That, that was the year when the New York World's Fair occurred. It actually went on for two years. And Tom Perry was directing many of the things that happened there. And I was a young missionary working there. And I remember thinking, what a great guy this is. Tall, powerful, strong, clear-headed, always having a, a sensitivity to other people. And I went to his house many times, and the main thing I remember, Linda, is how much he loved his kids and how much he loved his his first wife, Virginia, and how what a partnership they had. Had two little girls and a, and a little boy, and um, their family just seemed to radiate love and unity. And even though Tom Perry was very busy in a in a kind of a difficult uh, industry, retailing. I mean, the hours are long; it's very demanding. But I just had a sense, even as a young 19-year-old watching him, that he knew where his priorities were, and his priorities were with his family. Well, I read a funny story in the paper this week um, that was so cute. When he was living there, they, they found a perfect house, but it was a long way away. And he said to his kids, you know, this is an hour and a half commute each way. That is a long time. I'm just not going to be around. And um, the kids said... Um, well, so he said, so you want your dad or do you want the house? And they all looked at each other and said, uh, the house, <laughs> because you're not here anyway. And he said that was such a wake-up call for him. He decided to change everything. He reworked his schedule. I can't remember whether they actually bought the house or not. No, because he lived, when I knew him, he lived in Hartsdale or Scarsdale, which is only about a half an hour commute from New York City. So yeah, so I think that I think was the beginning the, of his awakening about how important it is to be with your family and to prioritize them, no matter what you have to do. I think he made the family choice. But then fast forward a little bit, and I finally persuade Linda to marry me, and we're headed off for graduate school in Boston. And we arrive there, and guess who our stake president is? That's that again for you that aren't familiar with Mormon jargon, that would be like a diocese, and, and the president is Tom Perry, and he lived in a suburb of Boston, and we lived right in the city where we went to, to school at Harvard, and we, we got to know him even better. Well, he got us our first job. He was working at Leachmere, which was a huge retail store in the Boston area. Big Anybody there would store. recognize that. And uh, he got you a job before That's you started right. school. Because we got back there in the summer and we were to start in the fall and we needed, boy, did we ever need to make some money. And um, he gave me a job working as his assistant there at Leachmere Sales, a big department store. And I watched him again. I watched him now. I got to see up close his financial acumen. He was a great financial planner. He was the financial vice president of Leachmere, and he taught me a lot about accounting and finance and so on. But again, even more, what I saw in him was my family is what matters most to me. And he actually, for the first time, I remember thinking, he does a good job in his profession and his career, but he sees his career as the support mechanism for his family. He sees the, the career is the means and the family is the end. And, you know, if we had a little more of that in the world, Linda, we'd be better off. So many of our associates we worry about because their career is everything to them. It's the end. 
And a career ought to be the means to the end, and that's what it was to to L. Tom Perry. It was, and it was such a delight to live that close to him, although we were starving students uh, living in Peabody Terrace. Um, across from the Charles River was the business school, and um, that was an amazing year. It always brings back memories. Um, I remember you walking across the Charles in the winter on the ice. It yeah, was that so was one of the worst cold. winters ever. Um, well, it was. It was absolutely crazy. And I used to watch you and Steve Taylor walk across that Charles River and absolutely scared me to death because I didn't know if you were going to go through or not. But I think it was the ice was a foot thick or maybe more. And then and the so, Perrys traveled every once in a while, and they'd have us come out and house sit for them. So we, so that was really interesting, Linda, because there we'd be in their house, sometimes with their children, and it gave us even further insight on how family-oriented Tom Perry was. And, and here's another thing I just remember that really sticks in my mind. Uh, we were in a big state conference one day. It's a big religious meeting with a couple of thousand people there. And maybe they were a little less than that on this occasion because it was the evening meeting where just the just the males attend, just the men attend. And uh, Tom Perry stood up at the podium, and the thing I remember is that he said, "I think we should all continue the courtships with our wives. I think that, you know, what we have to remember is that once we're married, we still have that need for romance and for courtship and for, you know, really being in love with each other." And he said, "How many of you men?" will join with me in a commitment to take your wives out on a date once a week. Friday night, if you choose, whatever night you choose, but regularly, once a week. And he raised his hand, this big 6'4 man, and his hand up in the air. and Booming voice. Booming voice. And a few of the men raised their hands right away to join him in that commitment. And instead of saying thank you, he, he, just, he just didn't do a thing. He just stood there with his hand up and said, and looked, kind of stared us all down. And the question hung in the air, how many of you will join me in, in this commitment to take your wives on a date once a week? And, and people were a little bit uh, intimidated after a while and started raising their hands and more and more. And it seemed like it was five minutes, and he didn't, he didn't say a word until every man in that chapel had his hand up in the air. And then he and then he said again, I think that's the most important relationship in life. I think that if you're going to be a happy person, if you're going to be a happy man, you better keep your wife happy and you better court her and you better romance her and so on. You better take her on a date once a week. And by golly, I can't say we've done that every single week of our life, but we've tried. We've done pretty well. We have done pretty well. Sometimes we have so many dates in a week now that the oh, kids now. are Oh, now. Oh, now we're on a date all I'm the time. I'm almost wishing for a little 24 time 24-7. Oh, you are? Now we'll have maybe once a week we'll just separate. <laughs> no. <laughs> it really is wonderful, though. He was so committed. Uh, but he did not live a charmed life. This man... Um, lost his beloved wife to cancer uh, in 1974. 1974, not long after we had known them in Boston. I think that he was called to be a general 30. Actually, he was called, in those days, it was called an assistant to the 12 in 72. So they had a couple of years in Salt Lake together. 
but then she just got cancer and died, which is just, I mean, it's life. There are so many hard things in well, life. Well, and then he lost his daughter, one of his two daughters Later, to, yes, cancer. to cancer. So his life was anything but charmed. He really had a lot of difficulties. We heard a story at his funeral yesterday that was so touching. Um, I'll just tell it quickly and then we'll go to a brief break. He's such a humble man that even though he was being called and put in this prestigious, important position in the church, he, he got in traffic and got there a little late. And, and rather than, you know, find somebody in authority and get himself in, he got in the line with everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, you know, the time passed and it was almost time to start. And he finally found an usher and the usher could only find him a half a seat so he was sitting half on the end of a bench and then when his name got announced the man next to him turned to congratulate him and knocked him off the bench so he <laughs> got up from the floor and walked up to assume this position what anyway. a great humble man he was amazing and we have so many more stories to share right after this break we'll be right back Iyer's on the road parenting in a modern world Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. We are having fun reminiscing today as we look out at Bear Lake and it's starting to clear up and the sun's coming out. And we are thinking about a funeral that we went to yesterday, which is was really wonderful. It was and, spectacular. And by the way, this Bear Lake is significant in the whole scheme of things because for many, many years... L. Tom Perry and his family came here for their summer reunions, and especially after he married his wonderful second wife, Barbara, who is from just over the hill from where we are in Cokeville, Wyoming. And so they used to drop in on our family reunions, and that was so great when they would come and talk oh, to all the kids and, and hold the chickens so, or the dogs. You remember the year <laughs> that Asia, our daughter-in-law loves chickens. And so they brought a pet chicken to the reunion and she was <laughs> dying to ask him to hold that chicken for the picture, but she didn't dare. Thank goodness. <laughs> but he would have done it. I mean, he really was amazing. And Barbara, oh my goodness, she's been a friend for a long time as well. And is such a heroine in this whole story because she, he found her a couple of years after Virginia died. and and uh, Oh, she became such a partner to him and really took over as the mother of his children. And they were just a few months short of their 40th anniversary when I think when, they, just, uh, they just celebrated their 39th on the 28th yeah. of April. Yeah. And uh, that's a lot of years to be together. And she has been by his side. She's a nurse. Um, uh, professionally, and now she's nursing him. And he had the most amazingly fast decline. Yeah, we heard that he was, was um, that he had been diagnosed with thyroid cancer, and there are four kinds of thyroid cancer. Three are totally treatable, and the fourth is not treatable. And, and unfortunately, that's the one that was the one he had. And so he just bore that so bravely, and luckily, it was. Very fast, 40 days from diagnosis until he passed. Yeah. But getting back to our, our reverence for him as a mentor and as a family example, um, 
kind of keeping some chronology here. We, we, but when we left Boston, he left Boston to go to Salt Lake City and assume this leadership role in the, in the LDS Church. We left Boston to go to Washington, D.C. for our first job. And while we were there, uh, it was that really tough time for Tom Perry in between wives. He was single and waiting to see what would happen and still grieving for the loss of his wife, but he had assumed this heavy responsibility in the church and had to travel a lot. And when he came to Washington, he stayed with us, which was wonderful. And I can't remember how many times that happened. What I do remember, I'll never forget, is that we were trying to be nice and, you know, gracious and respectful. So when he came, we'd say, well, you take our bedroom and and we'll sleep in another bedroom or on the couch. And, and so... The, the funny thing about it was, though, it, this was the 70s, Linda, and we had an enormous round waterbed. <laughs> that actually was sitting on the floor. We were crazy. We eventually got a frame for it, but at that time, it was just a round waterbed sitting Eight on the floor. Eight feet in diameter sitting on the floor. Oh, my gosh. And he didn't say anything typical of Elder Perry. He just, he was grateful, and he went in, and we didn't see him till the next morning and so on, and I think that happened a couple of times. I think maybe twice, but this but, is the time I remember. Oh. <laughs> And he didn't, you know, and it was years later, Linda, that he, he, we happened to be talking one day and he said, you don't still have that waterbed, do you? <laughs> we said, no, no, we got rid of that a long time ago. And he said, well, it's a good thing because those were two of the worst nights of my life. <laughs> he said, uh, you know, it was like being at sea. And if I rolled over, it was like being in a storm at sea. <laughs> <laughs> But typical of him, he didn't say anything at the time. And and again, now we had the opportunity to watch him with our children when he'd come to visit. And he was so nice to them and so gracious. And he ended up performing most of their marriages. Most of our children's marriages. And actually, he did remarry in 1976. And um, he was um, kind enough to give us a blessing before we left for our mission. We went to London for three years and... So our lives have just intertwined. It's just been an amazing story with the Perrys. And I just feel a special affinity for Barbara because, really, I grew up in Bear Lake Valley. And her dad was our state president or a diocese, would it be called? Yeah. President, for as long as I can remember as a child. But her, they have a big family uh, lots of them we knew, and we were so delighted. In fact, he came every 24th of July. Oh, and to Cokeville, to yeah. To Cokeville, Wyoming. He gave a special talk in the little chapel and there. everybody came out. And I don't know how many of you have access to the new movie that just came out last night called The Cokeville Miracle. But we saw the premiere last week, and it is pretty incredible. And, and that that's, was, that's Barbara's hometown. That's Barbara's and, and hometown. And I think her sister was in that school. Her sister was one of the teachers and in, in the classroom with the bomb. And I don't know how many of you remember that. Um, it, it is a remarkable story. If you have a chance to see it, you should do it because but, it's very faith-promoting. But back to Elder Perry, you got me thinking now, Linda. So now, now going forward in time, now we're in, in London doing our church assignment as the, the mission president there. And, and Elder Perry comes to visit us again, I think a couple of times while we were there. And now he's married to Barbara, and they come together. And once again, well-meaning, we say, 
Well, you take the master bedroom. You'll be comfortable there. Now, it was a king-size bed this time. It was a yeah, nice bed. Yeah, at least bed. it was a nice bed see. this time. So they're, they're in there sleeping away. And then uh, the inevitable happens. In the, in the middle, middle of the, of the night. night. Three in the morning or so, our little Sadie. How About old? 18 months old. 18 months. Not knowing that it's not her parents and being a little sleepy and groggy, just crawls up into bed as she was wont to do. And snuggles in between the two of them, sopping wet, (laughs) needed to be changed. And again, this is so typical of the Perrys. They just kind of made the best of it, and she slept there the whole night with them. (laughs) They thought it was so funny, and it was pretty funny in the day that he married her. You know, oh, because, yeah, when he performed her marriage, he, he remembered that, and he said, uh, what did he say? <laughs> something about, this is the only person I've ever married that I've also slept with or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was really cute. Oh, boy. So, But again, his, his sense of humor and his love for children, because he didn't complain. He just said, oh, it made me feel good. It made me feel like I was young again. I had a toddler of my own, you know, and he was great about it. So... We learned a lot from that, and, and he would always take the time to talk to the kids. You know, I think maybe the the two of our kids who he felt closest to and maybe who felt the closest to him, although I can't really say. I don't really know. A lot of them love him. All of them love him so much. But Talmadge and, and Noah are two basketball players. Both of them were high school All-American basketball players, and and Noah went on to play at BYU-Hawaii, and Talmadge played at BYU before his mission and then came home and played at Salt Lake Community College and then played for Weber State during the time that Weber had a great team that went to the big dance to the NCAA. But anyway, my point is Elder Perry would go to their games when he could just to support him. Oh, my heck. And he loved basketball. Can you imagine? We were sitting there in the the Salt Lake Community College uh, gym, and kids obviously knew who he was, and they were flocking over to shake hands, and one of them asked if he would sign his T-shirt. Oh. (laughs) And he did it. Honestly, is just the greatest guy without even blinking an eye. Sure, I'll sign your T-shirt. Well, and that's another, that brings out another opportunity to talk about one of his great qualities. Elder Perry, a lot of public figures, and, you know, this is not a criticism. I understand this, and, and maybe this is a natural thing to do. A lot of a, a lot of public figures will duck out early if they're at a public event, or they'll come in a little late so they can get in their seat and leave without being hounded by people and that's an understandable thing but not tom perry you know he would he would stay and shake hands and anyone who came over to him he had an encouraging word for him and maybe a little question how you doing how old are you are you going to serve a mission he'd ask him things well even to the point where i think he was he was lingering a bit to find people to shake hands with well, he, was, he certainly wasn't to, in a hurry to get out of He was there, not. In sure. fact, we went to two basketball games with him every year, he and Barbara, uh, usually one at BYU and one with the Utah Jazz. And he really was a wonderful basketball fan, but people just mobbed him. They were hiding behind pillars at the um, Energy Solutions Arena yeah, and then stand. jumping out and saying, Hello, Elder Perry. And he was just so delightful. It was just a, a 
a joy to watch him interact with people because he was so happy to do that and spend a minute with me. Well, and that's, that's one of the things that I've, you know, we wrote our column in the Deseret News on, on Tom Perry last week, and one of the things we were trying to do there is to show another side of him because everyone was writing the same thing, and they're all, and it's important and it's good. What a powerful person he was, what a big voice he had, what a big smile he had, what a presence he had, what enthusiasm he had, what energy, and so on. All those things are true, but we felt like the other side that needed to be talked a little more about was his sense of humor, his gentleness, his his empathy, just what you're saying, Linda, his willingness to stay and talk to people. No one seemed insignificant to Elder Perry. Everyone seemed important, and he made everyone feel that they were important. And and undergirding all of that, I think, was his belief and his understanding that family is what matters and children are what matters. And you know, you prioritize relationships and you take care of each other. That was the essence of who he was, and in a way, it was a more important part of him than his enthusiasm and his power. And in fact, we have a son that is not married or was not married uh, during the time we were always together with him. And the first question he and Barbara always ask is, how is that boy doing? Has he met somebody yet? we got to get him married. And they're so concerned about family issues and how important marriage is and so on and so on. He was a delight and she was a thrill to be with. Yeah, and this is just a little thing, but it reminded me of it on the basketball games. We would go pick him up and, you know, Linda would always say, well, let me get in the back seat and you sit up here, uh, Tom, because you're, you're, you're big and you have long legs and so on. Sit up here in the front with Rick. And he would never do it. He would say, no, 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 you sit here with your husband. I'll sit in the back with my wife. Yes, and we always <laughs> waited for him to put his wife in to, uh, to into the, the car. Door for her, yeah. He was a magnificent person, mostly uh, an apostle, um, a follower of Jesus Christ. Who, he loved him so much, and it just came through his face so much light. So much, so much power. enthusiasm, yeah. so much power. So we wanted to pass that on to you. We're out of time, but uh, everyone can learn from the family and father and husband example of Elder L. Tom Perry. Well, we're going to miss him, but we'll see you again, hopefully, in a few days. Bye-bye. Next week on Irons on the Road. See you then. Hear you then. Talk to you then. <laughs>